whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey friends, Karen Pennington here, and I want to tell you how I spent my birthday. I already did about a week ago, but I want to say it again for different reasons. I had my granddaughter over. My daughter and son-in-law came into town to bring her to the doctor's, the ER, to check out. She had some respiratory issues. She ended up being fine, but because of the whiteout that there was the night before, they spent the night at her house. And then the next day, because of the snow, we had a snow day, so I didn't have to go to school. And Amelia was sick, so I got to hold her, like, a lot. And she was in gam-gam mode. I'm gam-gam. So I just, I held her so, so much. And I'll tell you, it wasn't all pretty. Um, she had the fevers going high and low and spiking. And it was kind of heartbreaking because she was just sort of wailing in pain. Like, had the little pitiful face that made you sad. And she was really in gam-gam mode, so I could not put her down. I had, like, hours at a time where I just was holding her. I'd hold her on my lap, I'd hold her, and anytime I moved even a little, she'd wake up and start crying again. So I didn't want to move her. Sometimes, I know sometimes babies just have to cry, but in this case, her sleeping was a good thing. And so um, I, I had to go to the bathroom for a lot of that time. So my bladder was hurting and she, I think twice she threw up on me. I'm, just, I'm sorry if you have a small stomach, but I think maybe until this has happened where you've had a child or a grandchild, who's thrown up on you <laughs> and it's it's hard to um explain what that's like it's maybe not quite as gross as you think I, I don't think it's there's a thing my daughter did this I remind my daughter when she was younger where you never like I'm thinking this is a glorious day I love that day it makes no sense but it's not that you like to see your children in pain it's definitely not that you want to be thrown up on or that you want to feel their hot head on you or that you want to have to hold your your pee until it feels like you are going to explode not that you want to do that but there's something about being able to comfort that person that you love so much that's so dependent on you there's such a blessing about being able to give in a way that no one else can or they don't want anyone else to and there's something about just being with a child especially a child who's a sick child a baby who completely and utterly depends on you for everything. Now, they didn't really depend on me me for everything. They had mom and dad, and mom and dad were doing a great job taking care of her, but uh, mom also had to go out to get more medicine and a couple of things like that. So that idea of something, a child being so utterly dependent on us, and it's an amazing thing, and and the idea of the child not just needing us in a way that maybe a teenager would to pay the bills or even give advice or I mean we had to be there we had, I had to be touching her I had to be cradling her even to walk out of the room for any period of time she didn't feel like her needs were met she just was clinging to me it it kind of kick-started <laughs> this new awareness in me of what really Emmanuel truly means Emmanuel God with us a God who is fully present with us. Isn't it funny? We needed God to come. 
We needed God to be with us. So God, this omnipotent, all power, everything, all powerful, everything, um, didn't need anybody for anything, could do anything he wanted, chose to empty himself and get, be in the exact opposite form. The Ancient of Days became a newborn child. The all, the all powerful God became the all dependent baby. The one over everything became the one under nothing, you know. Um, no room even at the end, right? Um, God of glory became the picture of humility and humble birth. God took on that form that said, I need other people for everything. I need them to be present. I need them to be holding me. And in reality... The child, even in that form, was the very God that we needed that very thing from. What's the irony? And that's the irony there. And I think about that term, Emmanuel. There are three words in that Hebrew term. There's M, Nu, and El. El means God. Nu means us. So God, us, and M. We want to say with, but that is kind of a super word. Hebrew, ancient Hebrew has nowhere near as many words as our modern English does. So a lot of times one of their words means many things. That word M is a preposition that could mean in, with, through, around, in front, and behind, beside, or all of those things. So when you think about it, when we say Emmanuel, we don't say just God with us. We say God in us. We say God around us. We say God beside us. We say God over us, God under us, God through us. When we say Emmanuel, we say a God who's so ever present that we are utterly flooded and consumed with his being. God is not just this entity that looks down, down on us. God is a God who participates. God is a God who participated as a human being. God is a God who continually, through the Holy Spirit, participates in our lives. That's amazing. And because God, Jesus, was both fully God and fully human as the Son of Man, that would be another term that the Hebrews would understand as David. You know, David was their great king. And God said that he would establish David's king forever kingdom forever. Just didn't maybe look like the Israelites thought or wanted. And there was a point in Israel's history, actually many points, because they did a lot of dumb things. They went away from God. Um, and I'm thinking Isaiah 7. King Ahaz, he was actually for four years of his reign co-ruled with his father, who was not quite as bad of a king as he was he wasn't great, <laughs> but he was, I mean, he did a couple things right. Ahaz, maybe nothing, pretty much nothing. Um, but he was getting invaded constantly by Israel, which was the northern kingdom. They had, the kingdoms had split, and uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, and getting Aram, which often fought with Israel, but they kept teaming up to try to invade Judah. And they said those kings had it in their mind to put their own son on the throne of Judah. Ahaz was scared, with good reason. He was outnumbered, outmanned, outpowered, probably outsmarted, because he seemed like a pretty dumb guy. Um, and 
it is here where we first hear this term Emmanuel. That term Emmanuel is only mentioned three times in the Bible. It's mentioned once in the New Testament when they talk about Jesus giving birth to his son and calling his name Emmanuel. When it mentions it in the New Testament, it points back to here. It says, this was a prophecy. This was a prophecy. When Jesus was born, it fulfilled this prophecy. Who was this prophecy given to? Let me give you the background. So in the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, and this is Isaiah 7. Son of Uzziah, king of Judah, king resident of Aram, and king Pekah, son of Ramaliah of Israel, went up to attack Jerusalem, but could not mount an attack against it. When the house of David heard that Aram had allied itself with Ephraim, which was another word for the northern kingdom of Israel, because that was one of the tribes, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people shook as trees before the forest shake before the wind. Down a few verses, and he, uh, God told Isaiah to say to Ahaz, Take heed, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. Okay, not thinking, not talking real great about Israel and Aram, right? Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, the son of Remaliah, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against the Judah and cut off Jerusalem and conquer it for ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king of it. Therefore, thus says the Lord, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is Rezin. What he is saying here is that they're going to try to destroy you. They're going to put someone other than your son on the throne. It's not going to happen. And in fact, there was more, more um, prophecies that the very people that were coming against him, Pekah and Rezin, the kings of Aram and Israel, were about to be defeated. It was less than, took less than 20 years from that point, probably between 10 and 15 years, for the entire kingdom of Israel, that northern kingdom, to be totally dissolved, overtaken by Aram, deported, not Aram, I'm sorry, Assyria. Same thing happened to Aram. They were t overtaken by Assyria. But as they went further, and he said, listen, not only will they not replace your son on the throne, not only will they not replace you, your line will continue forever. And this is where Emmanuel comes from. The God with us, Jesus, was to continue the line of David. He was an ancestor, um, not an ancestor, descendant of David. And it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, a young woman, also a virgin, maiden, is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. God with us, God through us, God for us. God within us, God through us, God beside us, God above us, God below us, God in front, God behind. There will be a continual overwhelming presence of God, and that overwhelming presence of God will sit on the throne of David. That person that embodies the overwhelming presence of God will sit on the throne of David and will continue that throne forever. Now, if you want to go a few chapters later, it says that the government will be on the shoulders, on his shoulders, that he'll be called Wonderful Glounselor, Mighty God. He'll be worshipped. I wonder how the people who heard this must have felt because they didn't believe in worshipping a human king. And I'm not sure they got the fact that when they're talking about the descendant of David, they're talking about God himself who came to earth. It's all very hard. I don't know. Sometimes we say things because we know God puts them on our heart and we don't even understand the depth of what we're saying. 
he was probably thinking, probably Isaiah thought, this is something that's going to happen within your lifetime. But here's a crazy thing. As he is making this promise to Ahaz that your throne will not fail, there will someday be a king that sits on your throne forever. It will be your descendant directly. It will be David's direct descendant. You never have to fear anyone overtaking him because he'll really be all powerful. He's saying these things. And he's saying God will come with you. Come be with you. If any of you ever feel like, well, that's all in good that God came, but I'm not good enough for it. It can't be for me. You don't know what I've done. Let me tell you about the first man that had this promise. The first man that Isaiah promised Emmanuel. Eternal reign. Safety. Security. All these things. The first man was Ahaz. Ahaz. Let me just read you a little bit of... Um, We'll do 2 Kings 16. This is Ahaz. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his ancestor David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. That was bad. That was the northern kingdom. They all misbehaved. Here's this. He even made his son pass through the fire. That's the reason that the other people got killed, that the other nations were killed off, because they were doing the dumb stuff like this, according to the abominable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. These nations were driven out because they were doing these things like sacrificing their poor innocent children and having them walk through the fire. And he was doing that. Why? Because he was kissing up to Assyria. <laughs> because Aram and Israel were coming against his kingdom, Judah, and he wanted, he wanted Assyria to help him out. They didn't really help him out so well. And he did all kinds of stuff to suck up to him. He rearranged the temple and took down some of the sacred parts of it. And then built an altar at the temple that was a replica of an altar to pagan gods. He did pagan sacrifices, pagan rituals on an altar that was a, was a replica of pagan altars. And he re designed the temple itself, which was supposed to be a sign of Yahweh God's presence, so that he could honor these other places, so that he could suck up to the king of Assyria. He was not a good guy. In fact, in some cases, they say one of the worst, possibly the worst and most evil king in all of the history of Judah, the southern kingdom. And that's the person who was the first one to receive the promise of an eternal king, of God with us, of salvation on so many levels. Friends, you are not that bad. <laughs> you are not that bad. If God can give a chance, a chance at restoration, if God can preach, can speak salvation of salvation and hope for all eternity, even to this king. Who did things that make your blood curl? Can you imagine making your small child walk through a fire? And incidentally, those that walked through and didn't get killed were considered a bad sacrifice. So you walk through a fire, not only are you burned from head to toe, you're considered a reject. That was the person who first heard the word of Emmanuel. Emmanuel isn't about us being good. God with us isn't about us measuring up. We never will. God with us is a pure gift, 
of pure presence, of pure love. You want to talk about how much you feel a sense of just being present with a child who needs you and clings to you. How much more must God feel that and give that to us, his children? That is a present worth being grateful for, unwrapping for this Christmas. That is a presence worth celebrating this Christmas. Lord Jesus, thank you. You came. You're here. You're not just with us. You're not just before us. You're not just behind us. You're in us and around us and consume us, God. You consume us. So sorry that we don't take time to be in the wonder of that, to just relish your presence, God. Help us to do that this Christmas. Help us to remember what you're about, Lord Jesus. May we not have the faithlessness Pekka, of King Pekka. May we not have the faithlessness of Ahaz or Rezin. May we just revel in your presence. May we choose your victory and may we understand that maybe that it won't always look like we want. But you're with us, God, and there's nothing greater than that. I just want to celebrate your Christmas and your presence this Christmas. You deserve the glory, God, in your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends.